the dream is over for more teams in the NCAA. As what did we see? The final four is set. Kansas taking on Villanova. And it had to have been written into the stars as Coach K's farewell tour marches on as the Duke Blue Devils will take on... No, not the St. Peter's Peacocks. It will be the North Carolina Tar Heels. Hey, good morning, Rowdy. Morning. Man, the St. Peter's get absolutely just slapped around. My God, they stink. Well, that's what happens when you can't make baskets. They were bad, dude. Like, beyond bad. Did it look like North Carolina was, like, felt disrespected just having to play them? North Carolina was just punishing them like they were child's play. It was, wow. They don't, how did Purdue, how did Purdue lose to St. Peter's? How did St. Peter's get to an Elite Eight? Maybe it's because the Big Ten was overrated again this year. We're diving into that one because, my God, the Big Ten, Big Ten, big stage. Well, not come March Madness time. Big Ten, big shrink. And can't blame being in the pool for that. Unbelievable, dude. Yeah, St. Peter's, man, they, uh, the dream died in a big way. St. Peter's just, mm, 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 mm. Uh, I will fix that one second here. So, Rowdy, how was the weekend for you, brother? How was the how was all the sitting down and watching? Yeah, so I I went out to dinner and had a few drinks on Friday night where I watched the games. And then Saturday was complete couch. Sunday, a little bit of movement, but yeah, made sure I watched all the March Madness games. Did uh, anything stick out watching uh, March Madness for you? Just besides how bad St. Peter's was? Or was it just, my God, the Big Ten is overrated? I thought... Uh, well, Thursday and Friday, those games much better, much much better than Saturday and Sunday. Like a yeah, lot, yeah. all those games on Sunday were a blowout. Yeah, all those games really stunk, didn't they? And the game with North Carolina and St. Peter's was over in the first like five minutes. Yeah, that was immediately over. So St. Peter's watching the Purdue game was absolutely wild, right? St. Peter's. Watching what they were able to accomplish, and Rowdy, you were on this, and you didn't bet on this, did you? You said either Purdue blows them out or it's a close game. And, I did not bet on that. And that's <laughs> so watching what had happened, absolutely incredible that Purdue. Lo- How did Purdue lose to St. Peter's, Rowdy? How did Purdue lose to St. Peter's? Did, have you thought of it? I was trying to think about it all weekend. How did they lose to St. Peter's? St. Peter's is not any good. Well, and especially if you look at what uh, North Carolina did to basically smash St. Peter's, mm-hmm. they were much bigger inside. They completely dominated out, rebounded them, and then they made a few shots. Wouldn't you think that Purdue could do the exact same thing? I mean, they have a guy that's seven foot four. <laughs> you would th- you would think so, right? Zach Eady is seven four. He didn't see the floor for the final what, like six minutes. Edie at the end of that game, that's how bad he was. They didn't put him in the game. He didn't fall out. Yeah, they they have Edie and Williams, who are 7'4 and 6'10, that are dominant big guys. North Carolina has dominant big guys, but no one no one near the height of Zach Edie. Yeah. Uh, Yet they couldn't do it. It's crazy about what we saw and then how you look at Wisconsin, and Wisconsin is sitting at home. Because you go and look at what happened with Iowa State, right, Rowdy? So Iowa State, 
they get totally stomped down by Miami, 70-56. to 56. This was playing for Wisconsin to have themselves just an incredible little run, and instead, what do they do? They fall flat on their face. They, fall, they lose to Iowa State. Iowa State then takes on the Miami Hurricanes, and they can beat 70-56. to 56. This was shaping up for Wisconsin to have a hell of a run, but then obviously no one happened. They didn't. So you look around. Uh, St. Peter's, a team out of the MAC. St. Peter's made it to the Elite Eight. They stink. Wisconsin won a share of the Big Ten, have an NBA lottery pick in Johnny Davis on their team, and they couldn't get past the second game. So, Rowdy, looking at this, and let's talk Big Ten specifically, what's wrong with the Big Ten? Does the Big Ten just Big Ten big stage that only works for the regular season? See, I thought about this, and... It seems like, especially recently, the Big Ten always wins the Big Ten ACC Challenge, correct? Yes. And ACC for a long time was always seen with the Big East as one of the better basketball conferences. Mm -hmm. Well, the ACC only got four teams into the tournament this year. It just so happens, though, that they got three to the Elite Eight. (laughs) The Big Ten did not get one team to the Elite Eight. The only thing that I can think of is that the Big Ten normally does pretty well at the beginning of the season in non-conference games. Yeah. And it normally does pretty well, especially lately, and has beaten the ACC in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. What happens once you get to March? It's got to be the fact that they play 20 conference games where a lot of the other conferences play 18. Yeah. And I think another thing is Big Ten, big stage. We know that it gets physical. Gets to grind you up. They beat each other up. Like That's got to be what it is. I, I agree, no doubt about it, but then I look at St. Peter's, and this team, St. Peter's, if you watched what North Carolina did to them yesterday, it was it was laughable. It was like North Carolina was felt disrespected that they had to play them. North Carolina was there like putting on a show while St. Peter's couldn't even couldn't even shoot. They couldn't even score a bucket. And like I don't understand. You know what that St. Peter's team reminded me of when they literally were shooting everything and could not make a single basket and or even would get to the rim and it was like blown layup after blown layup. Mm -hmm. They reminded me of one of two things. So every March uh, we actually have an alumni tournament and that reminded me of like the early Saturday morning alumni tournament games where a lot of the guys playing are either still in the bag or severely hung over. <laughs> they're like, oh, why are we And they're here? just trying to get through the game. They're like, oh, and there's not a ton of shots going in. That's what that looked like. It was like, oh, hard off the glass trying to make a layup. Oh, that oh. one rolled out. Oh. Or completely bricking every shot. Yeah, I mean, it's, that, that's a good analogy, actually. St. Peter's did look like the team that was like hung over and didn't want to be there in some intramurals or a, a alumni game. I just don't understand how the Big Ten, like, I, I keep in my mind thinking of us losing to Wisconsin, losing to Iowa State, and then also flashing back to Zach Eady sitting on the bench while St. Peter's is will not be denied of beating Purdue. And Eady looks like, and sort of the rest of the Purdue bench and everyone else on the court that, you know, wasn't from St. Peter's, stunned, just dumbfounded. How could a team like St. Peter's beat us? And then you look at the whole it as a whole, and you just look at the Big Ten and all the crazy games we watched in the regular season, like Wisconsin when they went down uh, to West Lafayette and they beat Purdue for the first time in I don't know how many years, and they swept them for the first time since like the middle 60s. So you look at the facial expression on Zach Eady and everyone else there as St. Peter's beating them, 
And I can help but think, how in the world can St. Peter's from the MAC go on a run like that in the Big Ten, or I'm sorry, in the March Madness tournament? Something that's so huge with all the best teams that are picked. Like, the St. Peter's was a joke. It was a laugh. The run was incredible, right? You'll never forget it. First team to ever get that far, you know, 15 to the Elite Eight, Mac to the Elite Eight, sure. But you look at it, you're like, how in the world could a team like St. Peter's take down Purdue and just all the other teams before him, but Purdue, and then Wisconsin is left at home watching it unfold like we are after losing to effing Iowa State, who then got pummeled by Miami. I just make it make sense, Rowdy. Make this make sense. I, I was I thought, you know, the five stages of grief uh, when it comes to all this, I thought I was already in acceptance. But after watching St. Peter's beat Purdue and then they get their asses absolutely whipped by North Carolina, I'm back in like like bargaining and anger, I think, with all this tournament for Wisconsin. How does I mean, I know it's about getting hot at the right time, but it's St. Peter's. They if suck. If there's one thing that I've really noticed watching the majority of these March Madness games, they're def because we kind of talked about this a little bit going into the tournament. We were talking about potential a run for the Wisconsin Badgers with how the bracket. There is no dominant team. There really is no dominant team. I know Kansas beat up on Miami who, yeah, Miami is a 10 seed. Kansas looked terrible in the first half. They did. They just absolutely dominated the second half and on the flip side looked amazing in the second half. But yeah, I don't think there's a clear cut dominant team. One of the more, I would say fundamentally sound teams in Villanova. Well, they just lost a player to a torn Achilles. Yeah, that was a tough injury. That's a big time player going forward. That that hurts Villanova. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't. I don't. You look at yeah, North Carolina gets a ton of good recruits. Yeah, Villanova, they're pretty damn good this year. And but they have an Achilles injury. Yeah, Kansas. Yeah, they get a ton of good recruits. Same thing with North Carolina, Duke. Like I don't. But no one's great. No. Um. Well, St. Peter's would never be you know in any conversation at all. I don't know what they would be considered. I, I just can't get over the St. Peter's run and good for them. Like that's so special. You can't take that away from them. But then I go look at Wisconsin and I'm reading right here. I just typed in, you know, March madness, big 10 and big 10 underwhelms in NCAA. And here's a little snippet on the Badgers. The Badgers were one of the big 10 elite all season as one of the most consistent teams in the big 10 Wisconsin finished with a regular season record 24 and six, but the Badgers were one uh, were one and out in the big 10 tournament. Thanks to Michigan state. They were tested in the first round of the NCAA tournament against Colgate. Wisconsin was pushed in that game but held on for a win, 57-50. And then they talk about how Iowa State let them. This loss, they said about Wisconsin, this loss was also a bad look for the Big Ten and spoke to the quality of teams in the Big 12, losing to Iowa State. Wisconsin was one of the best in the Big Ten all season but put forth a very lackluster showing in the NCAA tournament. Iowa State, by the way, had two wins last year. Two wins. So the Big Ten, big stage, the Big Ten is just big overrated. It's got to be It's got to be the grind. Is it truly the grind, Rowdy? Is those extra two games then? The 20 compared to the 18, like some of the other conferences? Or just the physicality of the conference in general? Because um, another thing with that is I said how ACC only got four teams, but three made it to the Elite Eight. Mm-hmm. If you go look at all the Ken Palm rankings, the ACC just in general as a conference a lot of lackluster defense. Yes. Now, Big Ten, a lot of those teams featured better rankings defensively. I think it's just got to be the phys- physicality and 
physical defense of the league. You just beat up. And then by the end of it, your your leg. Well, Wisconsin never had a bench to begin with, and then when you got Lauren Bowman, who uh, you know took a step away, and yada yada yada, and then Chucky Hepburn. Well, Chucky Hepburn went down at the last game, but Wisconsin's already thin to begin with, and the Big Ten does grind you up and spit you out. Uh, but North Carolina, North Carolina's not a deep team either. Uh, but here they are in the Final Four, you know, going against Duke. And again, like Villanova, like Rowdy's talking about, that guard that uh, just, that, I mean, that was a non-contact injury, right? He tore his Achilles, kind of f- fell on his own feet. And then, yeah. So looking at it, I don't know. I just, the run of St. Peter's is incredible and it's great. But watching them beat Purdue, uh, you know, 90% of me is like, yeah, hell yeah, go St. Peter's. But 10% of me is like, how can a team from the MAC, a team that's like watching them against North Carolina when they're just so bad, you look at them, you're like, how did they make it this far? And Wisconsin, who one of the best teams in the nation, Johnny Davis on their team, couldn't get past the second game. That just just irks me. Yeah, but now if you're looking at who do I root for now that we've hit the Final Four, God. and you're like, I want to root for the underdog, good luck trying to find one. Yeah, because I don't consider. I know they're. I know they're what an eight seed. I don't consider North Carolina an underdog, though. No, there's they're a blue blood as yeah. fa- as far as blue bloods go. It's Duke, North Carolina, and Kansas. Those are three of the biggest programs in college basketball. And then you have Villanova, which I don't think a lot of people see them as the underdog these days. No. Villanova's been extremely good the last twenty years. Yeah. I I do not I do not see Villanova as. An I still will say though, out of the four teams, I'm rooting for Villanova. Same. So, same. So am I. I just can't think of help but think of Zach Eady's face with his mouth hanging open as he's watching the end of that game where he can't even get in. The dude's seven foot four, and they decide not to go with him in the final like four or five minutes of the game. It's kind of crazy because that whole game, and they lost no, to St. Peter's. Nobody could stop him. They lost like, to St. Peter's, and he was actually making those little bunnies that he, like he missed against Wisconsin. They lost to St. Peter's. Yeah. Purdue, one of the best teams in the country, lost, and they have seven foot four. Yeah. Lost to St. Peter's, the Peacocks. What's with the Big Ten? Rowdy's, I mean, tell, I'm sure RJ heard it, but tell Rowdy. Oh, no, it's, it's, it's tell RJ, tell RJ what you said this morning about the Big Ten Conference. Well, I think. About it being overrated. I, I said this going into March Madness that I said the Big Ten has been overrated the last hand, you know, few years, handful of years. And they always come up kind of snake eyes when it comes to the tournament. Got some criticism for that. Well, they came up snake eyes again as no team got past the Sweet 16. And one was a Michigan team that was an 11 seed that made it there. And another one was Purdue, which a lot of people saw as the best team in the conference. Great watching that from the couch at my crib. Yeah. (laughs) But I don't know. I think maybe it's the fact that they do play 20 conference games in a physical conference. And the fact that you kind of beat each other up all year long. Mm -hmm. Because... The Big Ten always plays pretty well in non-conference play, like yeah. in the Mauis or like some of those um, prior to the Big Ten yeah, season <laughs> invitational tournaments. They've won the ACC Big Ten Challenge like the majority of times in the last decade. Yep. But then they finally get to the end of the regular season and disappointment. Mm-hmm. I um, yeah. Is the Big Ten truly just overrated? Is, or is it just, hey, only one team wins the whole damn thing? No, I, I don't think it's overrated at all. Um, it's with the field the way it is, yeah, it's hard to win a national championship. And you, it the, the, the fact people look at it, and we've talked about it before, 
There's only one conference I know that actually cares about the conference, no matter who you are. If you're the team that goes, you know, two and two and thir- two and two and eleven in a year, two and twelve, two and ten in a year, and your team wins the national championship, and you start chanting your three letters, uh, like that's the only people who care. And then they, even the bottom feeders, think they can beat the number one team in a different conference. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't care. Like, I don't care. <laughs> come, come tournament time, Big Ten means absolutely nothing. Yeah. It, you're for yourself. You're not out there representing the Big Ten. Yeah, you can end up out there and making more money for your conference every time you move forward because you split those revenues. Well, depending on your conference, there's a reason Texas and Oklahoma are, are leaving the Big 12 because mm-hmm. they wanted to start equally distributing money and they were like uh no Uh, no. we've had our run here for a while we're gonna go be mid to bottom feeders in the sec for a while um and that's why lincoln riley left um but i mean it's i i really don't feel as a whole you look at it from a conference standpoint because well i mean i don't cheer for any big time team once the no, large man to starts once the Badgers are done. Like, I just wanted to see a good game. I don't. I don't cheer for a Big Ten team. You know, the preseason either. Like if it's like I cheered against them all year, why would I start cheering for them now? Like I, I love the fact that earlier in the, in this season, Michigan State w- in uh, non conference games got got the crap kicked out of them a couple times. I was like, <laughs> look at that, Tee-hee. look at you losers, losers. <laughs> uh, yeah. and you know what? If it happens to Wisconsin, I know people are relishing in the fact that. Uh, other Big Ten teams are looking at Wisconsin and be like, oh, my gosh, look at that. You almost lost to Illinois State. Yeah. Oh, what are you doing? Yeah. Ah, but we did win. Yeah, and then you look at – I just can't – this is what I can't get over. St. – like, what, I look at St. Peter's, who's from the MAC, and they, they're they like, they stink. Like, um, don't, you can't take anything away from the run that they had. It lined up nice for them. That game against Purdue was one of those games absolutely incredible. But you look at what Purdue and the competition they played all year. When you say MAC, you got to – Enunciate the second A. The Mac. Because the Mac. Because <laughs> yeah, the Mac. M-A-A-C. The, yeah. the Mac. <laughs> so when you look at, like, listen, it was phenomenal. The game was crazy. Like, you love, you love a Cinderella story, and the fact that it happened is just wild. Mm-hmm. But then when you take a step back and start thinking about things, and then you look at Wisconsin, who had everything lining up so nice for them to make a little run. Yep. How could Wisconsin not do it when a team like St. Peter's can? I will say this. If they made it to the second weekend, they would have been absolutely embarrassed by Kansas. Well, I would like to. <laughs> hey, listen. Listen. We we needed a guy named, like, Beer or something on our team because Kansas got Remy Martin. We need a guy like, was there a Packer named DeBeer? We need we yeah. need someone with, a, like, a, some kind of, like, Corbell Brandy on our team or something I like that. I don't know. For how good Kansas <laughs> looked in the second half, Brock they looked worse. just as awful in the first half. I know, but still, like, watching that game, it was like, ooh, I don't think Wisconsin would have a chance against this team. Actually, I would have liked to have seen. It's like, but then I'm watching North So I'm watching North Carolina uh, just absolutely just slap around St. Peter's like it's nothing. Yeah. I was saying this throughout this morning. I felt like it, it, it. the vibe I got from North Carolina was that they were disrespected that they have to play a team like St. Peter's. Which I don't understand because you were an eight seed. Well, you know what I'm saying though. It's yeah. like they they just went out there and just just were having like a circus ball on them. They were just like yeah, like it got the to end a point when just, they were up twenty and they were having some breakaways and doing the the dogs and stuff. It's like come on, man. 
Um, I was go just just go for the layup. I get like you're on a stage and you've dreamed of this your whole life, but come on, you didn't dream of doing this against Saint Peter's. No, well, I feel like they felt like they're like I don't know if they're disrespected or I mean that's how the cookie crumbled, right? Yeah. But you look at Saint Peter's and this was. So I was trying to think about this, but it didn't really make sense to me because, I mean, they played against Kentucky right away. And I think Kentucky totally took them lightly, obviously, because St. Peter's beat Kentucky 85 to 79. Now, Kentucky is definitely a name that's like if you saw it on paper, you would think to yourself. And here's why I think here's why I think St. Peter's got as far as they did. When you look at Kentucky, it's a name that people know across college basketball. But St. Peter's like, hey, man, this is we got into the tournament. Hey, 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 hey. Coach Cal ain't trying to win championships. He's no. trying to get people to the NBA. Yeah, but I'm saying it's like a name. I love like, how that one always comes up. You get fired up for the first round. You're like, okay, let's. Why not us? Why can't we be spoilers? Why can't we do it? Let's just go shock the world to be a team like Kentucky. And by God, everything happened right, and St. Peter's did. And then their next game was Murray State. You mean to tell me St. Peter's was like, who the hell's? Where the hell is Murray State? They're probably looking up on the map there's, like, there's oh. people who had him going deep. Well, I know, but St. Peter's, I'm trying to get 16. myself in the mind of St. Peter's, where there's like, okay, yeah. Murray State, whatever. That's Who, who cares? Who, who knows what Murray State is? So they go out there, they're not feeling any pressure because it's Murray State. They're the racers. And then you go against Purdue. What do we know about Purdue? They collapse every March Madness, mm-hmm. just like every team in Big Ten. And I think St. Peter's is just like, this is Purdue. They're known for choking. Why can't we continue this on? And then it's North Carolina. And when I think of March Madness, I think of certain teams, and North Carolina is one of them. North Carolina is like one of those blue blood teams that I think could strike fear in the heart of individuals. And they had a little time to think about it. They saw in their matchup. They saw North Carolina. North Carolina came out like, St. Peter's, dude, we're just going to hammer these peacocks. North Carolina is like a perennial March Madness team. And I think the name can shock people into going back and reverting to the mean, and what that's what St. Peter's did. They're not mm-hmm. a good team. And I look at the matchup, RJ, you got Duke versus North Carolina. You couldn't have matched it up any better for, for the people that... First uh, ever meeting in the uh, in the NCAA tournament. Is it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, d- d- wow. First ever. You you couldn't have lined this up better for the Coach K. Well, that was the narrative well going around. It was like, hey, the NCAA and TV deals are basically winning no matter who wins. Mm-hmm. You have the first ever 15 seed making a Final Four versus... Coach K, it's the ultimate like David versus Goliath. Yeah. Or you're getting North Carolina Duke in Coach K's swan song, first time ever, Final Four. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now we got to go into this. And Rowdy, I still laugh at the tweet you had last week. If you cheer for Duke, you're automatically a douche. I couldn't have agreed more, and I like the thing. Now that we have this, boys, does it feel like it's definitely setting up? I mean, this is the this is. I'm a, all in on. I told you I hated North Carolina since 2005. Who are you rooting for? Because that game was so poorly officiated against Wisconsin in the Elite Eight. And then you had Roy Williams come out and say, basically, the Badgers were bad for the sport and how they played. And they weren't that great and blah, blah, blah. And he's just kind of got that arrogance to him. Well, he's not the coach anymore. And it's still North Carolina. And before those comments. Here's the real. How many kids? Or let's not call them kids. How many players are still on North Carolina's team from last year? I think uh, there's there's some there's some because they have yeah, there's a but couple. they do also have some graduate transfers. Okay, because I was just gonna say, does this show you how much better of a coach Hubert Davis is <laughs> than, than Roy Williams? Well, I mean, Rowdy, I think you were saying that you were you hate both teams, Roy Williams. Yeah. So pre Roy Williams comments in 2005, I would have told you Duke over North Carolina 
it would have been North Carolina is the one I prefer because you still had like those couple kids that you grew up with that like Duke. Yeah. Out of nowhere. Yeah. yeah. Me growing up, it was always North Carolina. Nobody cared about Duke. It was always the kids wearing the the baby blue. Oh, yeah, the baby blue. Well, I mean, we're yeah. the same age, right. so you're, what, a couple years older than I? Yep. But, yeah, it was the North Carolina blue. P.D. Pablo had a song about it, mm-hmm. Go Ahead and Raise Up, and he had this, because he's from North Carolina. <laughs> Spin the shirt around like a helicopter. But then after those comments in 2005, I'm like, well, screw Roy Williams in North Carolina. I guess I'd rather lean with Duke on this one if, when they play each other or, you know, whatever. Yeah. But then 2015 happened. And Justice Winslow definitely touched it, and Coach K's <laughs> back, and him just bitching about everything. And you're like, I just effing hate both of these teams. Yeah. Well, now Roy Williams has Gone. since retired, so I think that makes North Carolina a little bit more likable than Duke these days. Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm with you there. Saw, saw Roy Williams in the stands, See, by the I, way. I've never, had, like even in 2005 that game, never really had a problem with uh, with North Carolina. No, same, yeah. Like, but it is the fact that that turned into ESPN's Yankees Red Sox. Oh, which is nauseating. Hey, they play two times a year. We're going to show you both games every year, and we're going to have 17 different channels that shows you the uh, in-sync radio broadcast for North Carolina, in-sync radio broadcast for Duke, (laughs) ours, um, the bench cam for both, and then uh, if you head on over to ESPN three, you can <laughs> you can watch them all at the same time. I don't care. See, I don't I, the care. thing that I just hated over the weekend was I thought Texas Tech outplayed Duke. Yes, and there was some questionable calls. questionable calls. That yep, and then Texas Tech kind of crapped down their leg the last minute and a half. Well, it doesn't help when the calls are allowing a. 9-0 run to take a lead and right. walk away with it. But then I watched them play Saturday against Arkansas, mm-hmm. and they just smoked. Ar- like, Arkansas yeah, was so them. overwhelmed, and I'm like, God dang it. Like, all I <laughs> wanted dang, was Arkansas it. to go out there and, and win. I don't care how ugly it would have been, but it was so bad. Duke just smoked them. Mm-hmm. Yep, now we have North Carolina and Duke, and I'm. I say well, go Tar Heels. I did. I did like how Roy Williams is in the stand, and like every chance they get, they put oh, the yeah. camera on him. I'm like, am I wrong? Because I've seen a lot of people saying like, well, I don't care for Duke or Coach K, but I want to see him win one on his way out. I'm I'm sick of Coach K. Like I yeah. want go Tar Heels. Am I wrong in saying that? No, absolutely not. And I think from our standpoint, because Justice Winslow did touch it. Yeah, maybe I'm. And jaded. you saw a flip of a switch on on how the refs called that game in 2015. Yep. Like I guess I'm jaded. That just doesn't happen. Like that kind of change doesn't happen mid game. Yeah, there's something going. Is it? There's is that gre- my mic? I think there's no. But there's gremlins in the system. It's, it's one of those like I have zero like rooting interest in Duke. Is there a certain respect for Coach K? Sure, because he's kept his program well, up well, there where it, it is. Yeah. But. I I don't timeless. want him to win. He's timeless. I understand it. Right. Duke reminds me of that kid that like in in school that he's got had all the money in the world, he had all the toys in the world. He's a the rich little you know snotty kid. No one liked him, and he was always in your face bragging about stuff. And you just wanted to pummel him at recess. And if but if you did, if you breathed on him wrong, you were the one in detention immediately. Yeah. Because he's a little snot rubbing it in. But it, it's like one of those, like I just don't care. Like get him off my screen. <laughs> The Green Bay Packers 
again, saw another one of their players. Now, Shannon Sullivan, the cornerback, was a free agent and joined with the Minnesota Vikings. My God, do the Vikings love our scraps, man. They just eat it up. Shannon Sullivan now and Zadarius Smith, Mike Patton, Mike Smith, all with the Minnesota Vikings. But then the Packers went and signed, uh, formerly from the Las Vegas Raiders. What the hell is that guy's name again? I have to go look again. For a special team. Nixon? Yeah. Yeah, what do you what do you think of that little move? The I mean, it's, I you know what the funniest the funniest part about it was the biggest deal that they uh, came up and made a big well, stuff that they talked about when signing him was like, hey, he was a longtime special teamer and backup corner, Sean Nixon. Obviously, the Packers could use like because they lost Shannon Sullivan, probably going to lose uh, King. They could use like a fourth, fifth type corner. And it's I I don't mind the signing because he is corner depth mm-hmm. and he played a lot of special teams for the Oakland or the Las Vegas Raiders he was with Basaccia Basaccia who is now the special teams coach and we talked about how the Packers special teams had sucked maybe the team is terrible doesn't have quite the depth that it used to have just going back to last season with some of the losses. But the biggest thing that I saw people talking about is the fact that it's Snoop Dogg's nephew. Dude, <laughs> unbelievable. This Snoop, Snoopy D-O-double-G. Now, he is a Rams guy, obviously. But Lil Wayne, Rowdy, Lil Wayne is a diehard Green Bay Packers fan. Could we convert Snoop Dogg under the guise of his his his, his nephew? Yeah, and he, that's just not Snoop Dogg calling people nephew. That's his actual <laughs> Yo. nephew. Yeah, what up, Neff? Yeah, this is actual nephew, and maybe Lil Wayne, Weezy F Baby, can convert Snoop, Snoopy D-O-double-G to be a Packers fan. But yeah, how about that? The Packers getting a little extra flavor. If we see Snoop Dogg chilling around the locker room, I mean, that's either good or bad. I assume good, but my God. Yeah, you saw Nixon, though, saw time in 40 games the last three seasons, including a pair of starts, and his biggest impact did come on special teams where he uh, led the Raiders in tackles in 2019. And I don't think we need to remind everyone of how just terrible the Packers special teams was and have been for the last umpteen years. But my God, they were, they were the worst unit, right? Last year. Yeah, they were bad. By like a landslide. And they, and they, they owned three of the worst special teams performances when graded out three of the worst. And uh, let's see, that was against the bears and also bears the, Vikings and, the and then in the playoff game against the, the Niners. Niners. Those were the three worst special teams unit games in all of the NFL. And obviously they were all Packers, mm-hmm. but yeah, with that uh, signing Ebo, yeah, what's the, what's it looking like here for the cap? So the Packers after that signing, they currently have 15 ish million, 15 uh, ish million dollars left over in salary cap. But if you, Look at their draft picks and how much it's going to cost to sign draft picks. And you look at how the Green Bay Packers normally take about $5 million for in-season moves. Yeah. If they want to make any more moves, they're pretty much tapped out with money because they have to save uh, that $15 million for, like I said, signing draft picks and bringing money into the regular season. So pretty much any other move going forward, they're going to have to make another roster move to free up money. Yeah, so... I don't think maybe the likes of getting a DK Metcalf or a Tyler Lockett is probably not in the cards, eh, Rowdy, unless you really want to cut bait with some other guys. Well, I mean, there is a way that they can free up. Well, there's a few ways left that they can really free up money, but it's not a ton of money. It's the Mason Crosby's of the world. It's the Mercedes Lewis's of the world. 
It's uh, extending Jair Alexander, which I'm actually surprised yeah, hasn't been yet. done yet. It is kind of um, it's extending or cutting or restructuring Dean Lowry. Like there's there's really not that many moves left, and there's not that much money left for the the Packers to free up. I also so. was reading that the Packers had um, they were top five in money spent in the off season. Did you see? Did you see that pop up? I'd have to go find the. Well, exact Goody number, hasn't but. been afraid to spend some money and sign some free agents. That was like the one big thing everyone would bitch about. Ted Thompson. Yeah, Goody has came out there and signed a lot of guys, and I would say for the most part, Goody free agent wise has done a pretty damn good job. He really has. The one real queer miss that I that I just know for a fact where he clearly missed, it was Jimmy Graham. Did you say clear miss? Yeah, Jimmy Graham. Yes. Jimmy Graham caught like one touchdown that was important. That was against the Seahawks in the playoffs, correct? Well, that was like, yeah, like that's like all I can remember him doing besides missing blocks. Other than that, like all of his offensive line signings, like the Billy Turners or the uh, Wagners and, and some of those guys that they kind of signed that were like veterans that may have had success in the past. Yeah. They've all been pretty solid. They have. I mean, Gutekunst has done really well for himself. And we went or, to the draft. Uh, what, what about high price free agents like the Smith brothers? The Smith the Smith brothers, they were good signings. They were really good. Now, obviously, it unfortunately, they had to let go of Zadarius Smith because he just really was injury didn't, and didn't have the uh, the cash to do so. But Yeah. Oh, well, Preston Smith, though, since joining the Packers in 2019, 154 pressures. That's 19th among edge. And then 14.5 pass rush win rate. That's 20th with a minimum of 1,000 rushes. So Preston Smith, I mean, you take that all day. For 19th with pressures and 20th when it comes to his win rate, when getting after the pass rush win rate. So you look at what Goody's been able to do. It's been great. But here's the question, Rowdy. Um, good at that. We were breaking down the draft. What was that, Thursday, Friday? We were talking about Goody and his drafting prowess. And we're saying for the most part he's, he's a successful hitter. But he's going to have his work cut out for him because if the Packers aren't going to be getting in free agency or a trade here with a wide receiver or two, it's going to have to be in the draft. And this is where Brian Gutekunst really gets it going. So looking at this draft, it is, what, deep for the first three rounds for wide receiver? That's the top ten wide receivers are supposed to be pretty good. Yeah. So, But it's not a draft in which they graded out 35-plus receivers that have draft grades. So what do you, more conf- what do you think happens more confident happens. Goody somehow gets a free agent wide receiver or a trade, or we just look at more and more draft. like the draft, right? It's a straight draft. I mean, you look at, uh, here's some of the guys that they can mess with, um, and free up more money. Lewis. Remember how we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, they gave him his roster bonus. Yeah. So they paid him 2 million. Mm-hmm. If you restructure Lewis after June 1st, you can save $2 million. If you, restructured him right now, it'd be about $1 million. That's not a whole lot of cash you're freeing up there. Not really. Uh, Mason Crosby, if you cut him, it's $2.4 million. If you cut him after June 6th, or it's uh, $3.5 million. Mm-hmm. If you restructured him, it's like $3 million. I mean, that's not a lot of money there either. It's not. Lowry, I see, I don't think they should cut or extend Lowry. He's been too good to cut. But he's not good enough to, to extend. extend. <laughs> so I think, you're, I think you're kind of like in no man's land with him. So I think you just let it kind of be because cutting him saves $4 million, but you're already paying him over eight. Mm-hmm. And maybe, he, again, he could be a guy that potentially could be a, a June 1st cut, but I doubt it. it. just doesn't make a ton of sense. 
Alexander's the one that I feel like if they're going to make another move, that's the one that's going to have to get done. And like you just said earlier, I can't believe they haven't done it. Yet. Uh, yeah, because I, he his last two years, not counting this season with injury, he was showing he was a top five corner. No doubt. Now, if they extend Jair Alexander, that can save them against the cap anywhere between six to $9.8 million, depending on how they structure it, how many years it is. But that's the biggest chunk that they can free up by any of these moves. Another one that they could do if they extended uh, Elton Jenkins, that could free up about $2.5 million. But that's not a ton of money. Um, Rashawn Gary, if they extended him, could free up $1.3 million. But that's not a ton of money, especially when Gary's got that option because yeah, he was a first yep, round yep, pick. Yep. They could in theory actually save more money extending Gary after next season versus right now. The only other guy that you can touch and mess around with his contract is Alan Lazard. And at the most, it would save you about two and a half million dollars. That's a ton of nickel and diming. All, all of that is basically $3 million are left for every single one of those players, mm-hmm. except for Alexander. And he's by far the best guy that you want to keep in the future. Yeah. I'm surprised it actually hasn't happened. Same. Um, Something's got to be in the works, obviously. So we'll see what happens. Andrew Wagner, Forbes.com. Andrew. Good morning. You know, were it not for the Federal Communications Commission, our pre-show banter would be the stuff of gold. Listen, listen, you know, our show over the line, obviously. My philosophy is if you ain't living on the edge, you're taking up too much space, you know, watch, push the envelope, watch it bend, yada, 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 right? I'm a habitual line stepper. I already have the FCC, like, chirping at me once in a while, so we got, I'm already used to that, dude. So say what you want to say, my brother. Yeah, I'm sure they got me on speed dial. So I I just, you know, it's good to know that I'm among friends here. And Rowdy, to finish what we were saying, like... (laughs) You know exactly the kind of emergency I'm talking about when I had to switch to boxers at the gym. So <laughs> I feel you, man. I feel you. Yeah, we'll say that for off air. Um, unless you want to talk about time out, <laughs> time out your breakfast. That's all there is, folks. Time yeah. out your breakfast. Oh, you're a you're a coffee drinker, correct? Uh, coffee drinker, bacon eater. Yeah. So you know, beautiful. I go. Yeah. I got coffee right now. I could. Go Sounds like bacon. you run in more than one way. <laughs> You you know it, my friend. I make no bones about it. No, no. Hey, uh, Andrew. Ten good days. Morning. A- good morning. Ten days away from opening day, but before that, uh, you, when it happened, said, "Who? What grown man slaps another grown man?" When Jawan Howard did it, um, your thoughts on Will Smith and Chris Rock? I had no idea it happened. Like I, in the universe of things, I just do not give a crap about. I cannot even tell you how low the Oscars rates in the realm of mattering to me. So usually yeah. I'll make some smart-ass tweet about what I'm wearing, which is usually like, you know, but underpants, boxers. a ratty T-shirt, and a ball cap. And with hopefully no run stains. Yeah. yeah. No, I, th- I throw those in the fire pit. Um, <laughs> but I went with Oscar the Grouch last night, and then like an hour later, someone said, oh, you've been pretty quiet about the Oscars. I'm like, I don't give a crap about rich people filleting themselves. Same. And they're like, and then they sent me the the picture of like dude slapping dude. I'm like, okay, I have decreed this before. No man slaps another man unless it's a part of a slap bet or two, the dude's wearing a cape. Like we've been over this. We've established yeah. this. There are rules. We live in a society. We live in a society, people. All right. Real quick, and it just dawned on me, and Rowdy, think of it. Andrew Wagner, if you could slap one individual and one individual only, who would you slap? <laughs> you 
know you know who it is, and you know I can't say it because oh. you know they're listening, and I have to bide my time. Well, everyone listens. Andrew, yeah. and I'm going to say mine because I know he's I know listening. Everyone, and I know everyone in the greater Madison area listens to your show. I just assume certain people tune out no, we're worldwide. when you talk about the Brewers and Bucks because no one cares about the Brewers or Bucks. At least that's what I've been told. Well, I see where you're yeah. going right there. For me, like I know he's listening, and I would do it. Mark Zuckerberg, I would love to just open hand slap him as hard as I <laughs> can. No, um, Maybe Bill see, Gates. There's my, another one. I buried a few of my feuds. Um I would say any local level elected official. Mm. Like I could care less about who's in Washington. Dude, any any I official. Care less about politics. Any politician. Yeah, but like the local people are especially smarmy because they really think they're important and they're not. Like I would love to slap one of them when they're giving their speech on like Hell yeah. something that has absolutely nothing to do with the city itself. Like when my alderman is getting up and talking about like you know foreign policy, just walk up and. But see, that would be a back of the hand slap. Like boom. Just dismissive. I want every branch yeah. of the government. I want every literal. I want every entity of the government to line up outside of my, like maybe in the sidewalk of my house, and then they just, I'll just one after another. Oh, slap, yeah. slap, slap, oh, slap, yeah. slap, until my arms are Only nonpartisan too. I yeah, oh, nonpartisan. Less, I'm, like, I'm a every I'm a, last one of them. I'm an equal opportunity slapper in this situation. Man, that just sounded I mean, like Ebo. Vote. That sounded kind of like Ebo, you know, the 21st century pick a brick. <laughs> <laughs> I would do, I would interchange hands. So I could like one left hand, right hand, left hand, right hand. Just come on, come get your medicine, baby. Let's go. Uh, all right, Andrew. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, Rowdy, uh, one individual to slap. You have, a- I'll, I'll uh, plead the fifth. Must be someone. It's uh, me. It's <laughs> me. Andrew, we would never want to slap you. In fact, we want to talk baseball with you. So, dude, 10 days away Robbie, from Robbie is day. the little brother I wish I had instead of the little brother I actually have. Well, I mean, there is the there's the big brother, little brother program, if you would like to. What's <laughs> 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 oh, that, Rowdy? Take him to the damn zoo and get him some cotton candy. Yeah, the Milwaukee Zoo? I mean, come on, we'll go to the Milwaukee Zoo. You guys, yeah. <laughs> We're going to go. Then we'll go to the sports book. No, I got it. How about this, Andrew? Wild. You can take big brother, little brother. You can take him the opening day, April 7th, down in Chicago. Or maybe we can wait till they come back against, uh, what the hell is the first series against? Is it the? Reds? Cardinals. Cardinals, excuse me. All right, so Andrew, opening day, 10 days away, baby. Uh, so Rowdy was talking about this last week. I'm just thinking of me sitting in the stands next to Andrew and Ryan Braun in days that gone by hits a home run, and like the little kid that I would, I guess, technically be, <laughs> I throw the home run ball back, but for different reasons. Yeah. <laughs> I think we can set up something real nice. I think we can set up something real nice. do this this summer. I'll have plenty of free time. We can do it this summer. Yeah, big brother, little brother, it's, it's all good, dude. So, uh, yeah, that will be then, yes, against the Cardinals. April 7th is uh, in Wrigley. We can get you guys there April 14th. Beautiful. 414 in honor of Milwaukee, too, as, start, as first pitch. Will you buy your little yeah, brother Cracker Jacks? Oh, can you buy Cracker Jacks at ballparks anymore? I'm sure there's some sort of, like, sponsorship deal with some company that's not Cracker Jack that just seems to be how it is in sports. Yeah, these days. that's true. That's true. Hey, Andrew, so Rowdy said, your little brother said last week, don't get too high, don't get too low about spring training. Um, and Rowdy was just talking about before we uh, were calling you about every Brewers pitcher essentially getting rocked to start spring training. Is that something we should be concerned about, or, is, or besides Josh Hader? No, that, or, no, not at go? all, because here's the thing. And every one of these guys is, is in you know a new place. Like last year, obviously, Burns knew he'd be in the starting rotation. Woodruff knew he was going to be in the starting rotation. Freddie had a pretty good idea he was going to be in the rotation. 
But, you know, guys like Hauser, guys like Lauer, they didn't know where they were going to be. Um, this year, everyone's coming into camp, pretty much your five guys know that they're going to be in the rotation. They're not pitching for a job, so to speak. Or they're not pitching for a roster spot, so to speak. They know where they're going to be on opening day. So pitchers in spring training that know what they're doing, that know where they're going to be on opening day, they're not going out there and trying to pitch their A game their first couple assignments. Their first couple assignments are, are, are basically like remembering how to like warm up in a game situation, <laughs> remembering what it's like to see a batter um, that's not wearing your own team's uniform or a Little League uniform. And then three, and we've seen this with Josh Hader in the past and, and Corbin Burns in the past, it's, what do you use, it's the time that you use to try a new pitch, something that you've been working on over the winter. You don't know if it's going to make your arsenal during the season. But now is the time when you can experiment a little bit. We saw we saw Josh Hader do that with the slider in the past, and we've seen Burns, you know, do that and refine his changeup and some of his off-seed stuff. So, you know, a lot of these guys are just going out there and trying to expand their repertoires right now. The repertoire. And usually it's like not until the last, you know, two or three starts. And it's obviously different this year because it's a short spring, but you're not going to see guys going out there and, and throwing anywhere close to 100%, even 75% until the lights come on and, and on April 7th. Yeah, and I think my biggest takeaway from videos that I've seen and, and highlights and stuff, all the guys seem to have their velocity and all the guys seem to have about the same amount of break on a lot of the pitches that they've thrown, like breaking balls. Not worried. Yeah. It, you know, guys guys get a lot. And remember, too, I mean, there, there are a lot of division guys and a lot of NL guys down there, so you're not going to go out there and, like, give them a book early on. You know, they played the Dodgers, they played the Cubs, you played the White Sox in, in interleague play. So you're not going out there and giving your A stuff. And, again, especially if you've got – if your spot on the roster is all but locked, you're going out there to refine, to work on your mechanics, to add some new pitches, to tinker with grips. I mean, we're seeing Devin, Devin Williams, you know, work on one, some new stuff this year. So It's called not it's punching the wall. Experiment. There's yeah, there's very there. very few people that I actually like to should hit keep Rock. an eye on during spring training because, like you said, it's like the Burns and the Woodruffs of the world. They already have their spot. But then on the complete flip side of that, I'm not really too concerned with what like Sal Freelich does because he's a guy that's not ready for the big leagues, even though he might have a couple hits in one game. He's, he's not ready for that show yet. It's kind of like those fringe guys that I like to keep an eye on. Like Ken Keston here, stay yes, hot. Daddy, can he, can he steal yeah. a roster yeah. spot? It, it, those are the type of guys that you have to like really pay attention to is because especially in only three and a half weeks, if yeah. someone gets really hot, like Keston Hira stays hot, you might want to keep him on the roster just to let his bat uh, continue to play because it's tough to, well, I guess we have seen Stearns send him down when he's been red hot, but uh, I think you get what I'm saying. Well, hey, real yeah, quick. Yeah, absolutely. Real, real quick, Andrew, before you and, go on. Don't forget, don't forget, there's two there's two extra spots to open the season this year. Now, before we go into Keston here a little bit, uh, there was a time when Keston got called up to the majors, was super hot. Uh, and then he was sent down. And this is, goes back to your little brother, Rowdy, when you, the big brother, take him to the ballpark. He's no stranger to letting Stearns know what's up. So, Rowdy, when we were there, uh, first we were fighting Girl Scouts. We were chirping at some Girl Scouts briefly. And then Rowdy made a sign. It said, I mean, what did it say? Stearns on notice? Bring, what, what, what did it say? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was Stearns on notice. It was all about here. And said, why the bring, hell is Shaw still striking out? Bring Keston back. Stearns on notice. I kid you not. I got flipped off, told I was an idiot. And those are just by the Girl Scouts. And then after that, as we were coming home on the party bus in our drunken stupor, the news came through. 
more evidence that everyone listens to the show and watches what we do. David Stearns brought Keston here back up after Rowdy at the ballpark told him he was on notice. How about that, dude? Yeah, I know. Every time, every time, like right before the trade deadline, usually with a couple minutes to go, Stearns calls me up and says, hey, what do Ebo and Rowdy think I should do? And I usually fill him in, and that's when he makes like his final deals. Like yeah. right before the lockout this year, he called me up and said, hey, what 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 would Evo think about trading JBJ? Well, they, well I know what he said. Renfro. I know what you said because you're you're an intelligent man and you listen all the time. This like they said they can't stand the guy. Ship him out. I'm also pretty yeah. sure that I was talking about if Ryan Braun hit a home run ball or any type of ball and I got it, I would throw it back. You did for that game when we went. Ryan Braun must have been scared. Didn't hit one out in that game. Chase Anderson though had a sacrifice. Was it a sack bunt? <laughs> yeah, it was a suicide. Yeah, suicide I've never that game. Yeah, we were there. We were hammered, by the way, responsibly. Yeah, there's a lot of Chase Anderson games. I wish I was hammered for. But. <laughs> well, this is a fun one. Uh, those girls yeah. scouts in front of us didn't like it, but that's fine. They should have brought. Yeah. They didn't bring cookies. They didn't bring cookies. That's their fault. Hey, Keston Hira, though, back back at the original. Where I got off on a tangent. Keston Hira, are, are we? Should we expect him to have a nice return here to the majors? Uh, th- thank God I, his I mom no longer so. has cancer. She's cancer-free. Uh, that's a weight off the shoulders. Can we see Kess Daddy back? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's like I talked about last week. I, I, I hate using COVID as an excuse for anything in the universe. Like, the other day I said something on Facebook. It's getting reviews. They're like, oh, it's going to take longer than usual because of COVID. Yeah, whatever. I'm sick of hearing all this crap. I do believe, though, that COVID did play, and not COVID itself, but all the crap that went along with yeah. it went into, like, screwing up batters. And I think the example I used last time was Cody Bellinger. Like, we talked about Yellick, we talked about Bellinger. The littlest thing can throw a hitter off. It's such a routine thing. It's so stupid. It's such a mental thing. Um, I think the lack of access to their usual tools and their luxuries and whatever else you want to call it, I think that played a role. I think stopping spring training in 2020, going on the hiatus for as long as he did, the uncertainty, then ramping up all of a sudden, then the short season, then more weirdness. Everything rolled into one, just screwed with Keston here. He's a young guy who's still figuring it out. Like, we forget. I mean, the guy's been around since 2019, I think, is when he first got called up. Yep. You know, and, and it's, what, not even three years? But it seems like an eternity with everything that's happened. You know, you go into last year, he barely had a full season of games under his belt as a major league player. Um, so this is a guy that's still young, both in terms of age and big league experience. Um, and we see it. We see guys that take a while to figure it out. You know, some guys it takes to like, there's a reason guys hit their peak at like their age 28, 29 season. Like when you look at the kind of guys that Stearns likes to bring in on those, you know, spring training, non contracts. They're, well, but they're no, usually they, they, well, they, the they look at guys, especially if they're four, if they're former, like top prospects, former top draft picks. And if they're around that age 27, 28-year season, they will bring them in on a non-roster spot because analytics show that's when a player usually hits their groove. And the Brewers have faith in their scouting staff and their coaching staff to like help guys, be it pitching, be it offense, to work through what's ever plaguing them. So I think they have faith that their guys can work with Keston. He did some changes on his own during the offseason. He's got a giant weight off of his shoulders. Yeah. You know, he's going into a relatively normal season. And, and there's no pressure on him to be the guy. Like, he just has to come up and hit. They don't need him to hit. They just are a better team when he hits. They're not relying on him to carry the offense. 
Yep. Uh, Andrew Wagner joining us right now. Uh, Andrew, and before I let you go, just a couple more things to pick your brain. Uh, Jack, or not Jackie Bradley Jr., he's gone. Um, when it comes to Andrew McCutcheon, is he going to be the DH then moving forward, or is this going to be like sporadically DH and be in the outfield every once in a while? Like, What's the plan here with uh, McCutcheon? I mean, he'll, he's mostly going to be in the DH spot, but he will get time in the outfield here and there. Um, okay. They brought him in for his bat. They know that he can play the outfield. They don't need him to play the outfield because they have a ton of outfielders. Um, so, he's not going to be the DH every day because they're going to rotate guys in and out of there. Like You're going to see days where Christian Yelich goes in there to get off his feet um, but keep his bat you know, in the lineup. And on days like that, you'll probably see, you'll probably see um, McCutcheon go out to left field uh, and play one of those corner infield spots. But they don't need him to play. They, they got him in here for his bat. That's why he's here. So obviously this is this is kind of an interesting one to me. Tyrone Taylor has been on fire yet again. Swan, uh, swung a pretty hot bat last season. Do you think there's any way he could unseat Lorenzo Cain in center? And I would say the same thing for Christian Yelich if he continues to struggle hitting, but we know that they're not going to put that $26 million on the bench. Right. And I will say the same thing that I say every year when we start asking about there's too many guys for this position. This guy's going to be the odd man out. Has it ever been a problem once the season gets underway, finding playing time for people? I mean, you look at last year, what happened with Yelich and his back and Kane and his injuries. Like, there is going to be playing time for everybody. Um, it always works out that way. And having the DH, having the, the, 20, the, the 27th and 28th roster spot for at least the first month of the season um, – it, cha- it changes a lot of things. I, I think I think we're going to spend a lot of time talking about, you know, where are we going to find playing time for Tyrone Taylor and how is Keston here? It, it always works out. Something always happens for better or for worse. Water finds its level, and, Andrew. Right, exactly. Um, and before you know, I, could yep. see, I could see playing time in the outfield before the year is over. Yep. Hell yeah. I mean, if Billy McKinney gets a nice little two-week run, it's very likely right. uh, your seventh outfielder can too. Absolutely. All right, Andrew. And speaking of uh, former top prospects, where Stearns like literally got the last juice that was left in him and then traded him. Yeah. Absolutely. And but and that works. It works sometimes. sometimes in Stearns we trust. Off. In Stearns we trust. Yep. All right, Andrew, before I let you go, now I know you're not an Oscars guy, neither am I, neither is Nelly. We can't talk about one man you slapping another grown man. But how about this? No slaps involved here. Straight punches on this day in history. 1977, Rocky won Best Picture at the 49th Academy Awards. Can we all agree that Rocky was well-deserving of that Oscar? Absolutely. My buddy is out in Philly. Their kid, I tweeted this out the other day. It's on YouTube. They dressed their two-year-old up as Rocky and, like, had him running all over Philadelphia, up the stairs. Pretty badass. Project Badass. Hell yeah. Best Rocky movie? Do you have one? Or are they all just, like, picking out your favorite son? Come on! That's a stupid question. Rocky Four. You should be, you know, I must break you. Rocky Four. Yeah. Rowdy, Rocky yeah. Four? Rocky Four. Rocky Four. I mean, they're all good. If I can change, After, well. if you can change, we can all change. And plus, you got to go watch it. I know, dude. And it, listen, when James Brown comes out living in America, I know it's like, <laughs> I know it's right before some bad stuff happens, but what a scene, dude. God, I want a party of James Brown, R.I.P. And then they followed it up with the worst Rocky of all time. 
That never happened. I never. It doesn't exist. It never happened. When I bought the box set, when I was checking out, I opened it up, took out the DVD for that video in question, smashed it, and left it on the floor, and walked out of the store. <laughs> I didn't hear no bell. Andrew, did you did you ask the Walmart in the five dollar bin if you could swap out Rocky Balboa for Rocky Five? <laughs> <laughs> Quarter and rowdy this morning. I love. Well, he took him a little bit to wake up, but he's firing all cylinders now, man. Andrew, we love you, buddy. See you soon. See, buddy. See you. There he is, Andrew Wagner.